This episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Device Talks Tuesdays. Join us 4 p.m. this Tuesday for a conversation called Night and All Shape Setting Simplified. Uses, selecting a vendor, optimizing design and prototyping is brought to you by Horaeus. It's been a very popular program. Be sure you're there. Go to devicetalks.com to register. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. Great to have you here. Very pleased to bring you a conversation I had this week with Jeff Martha of Medtronic. We reconnected. It's been a year, just over a year since he's taken over as CEO of Medtronic. So we covered a lot of ground. We talked a bit about where Medtronic and MedTech is in terms of COVID. Sort of wrapped up that conversation, I hope, at least in the U.S. Talked about vaccinations at Medtronic. We talked about his first year as CEO and what was he surprised by or what did he learn about the role and how is it different than running a business? What is the, the what are the challenges that are particular to being a CEO? I thought uh, Jeff had some great thoughts there. Finally, we talked about renal innovation, Hugo Mazur and hardware. So it was a uh, far-ranging conversation. Thanks, Jeff Martha, for joining us. I'm sure you will enjoy it. I certainly uh, enjoyed the conversation. So before we get into that interview, though, I'd like to bring in my podcast partner, Chris Newmarker, the executive editor of Life Sciences, so we can review this week's Newmarker's Newsmakers. Chris Newmarker, happy Friday! Happy Friday, Tom. TGIF. We're doing Woo-hoo. it on. We're we're doing recording this thing on a Friday again. That's right. This news is as fresh as it gets. That's right. C- cannot get any fresher. And I know you fresher don't have fresher than a- buying those vegetables at the co-op. So <laughs> we are such <laughs> suburban dads. Yes. <laughs> like picking up my share from my CSA. Yes, right. <laughs> we are too cool for medtech. That is the truth. What could I else could I make with these artichokes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good beets! Yay! Beets, nothing like a good beet salad. And more radishes, fantastic! Mm, radishes, radish sandwiches. You know, I'm a good, <laughs> that'd be that'd be really highfalutin suburban. Like, oh, I'm gonna get some nice baguette and some organic butter and make myself some radish sandwiches. <laughs> So many people are pushing, pushing next like, podcast right like now. I'm done with these guys. Yeah. I'm just done with them. <laughs> Fast forward 15, 15, 15, 15. They finally broke it. They broke it. <laughs> All right. I know you don't have a lot of time despite our ridiculous conversation. Yes. So let's, let's get into the, the new markers, newsmakers. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a uh, week. Anyway. Number uh, five on this, this vaunted list. On- the vaunted list you know we got some yeah we got some good names on this list this week um number five on the list we got abbott uh they're uh they want to see mark for uh their uh amplats or uh steerable delivery uh sheath and this is uh you know uh you know, kind of is developed specifically for uh, minimally invasive left atrial appendage occlusion, you know, closure procedures, uh, you know, to help, uh, you know, prevent uh, strokes. Uh, so this is just kind of like uh, upping Abbott's uh, stroke prevention uh, technology. Um, and, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. 
So this is approved in Europe and Canada. Yes. And does it currently have FDA approval? I I believe it does not. Currently right. not approved in in the U.S. So but right. so they're kind of moving forward. Yeah, which is kind of unusual. I mean, we, these days, like usually, you hear that something was uh, approved in the U.S. and then then approved in uh, in Europe, actually. But so yeah. Well, good news for Abbott. All right, let's move on to number four. You know, number four on the list, we've got uh, Medtronic receiving an FDA approval for their uh, Sensite directional lead system. Um, this is uh, for uh, deep brain uh, stimulation. So this is should hopefully like up the game with uh, Medtronic's uh, you know DBS technology. You know they could you know treat all kinds of uh, movement disorders like Parkinson's, uh, essential tremor, um, medical refractory epilepsy. So so yeah, awesome. So let us go to number three on New Markers Newsmakers. Well, number three was just a, a really cool enterprising piece by our pharma editor, Brian Bunce. It actually ran in full on mass device because it had such a medical device focus. But uh, Brian talked to one of the uh, top neurologists in the country uh, based in Chicago and, you know, kind of talking about how, you know, there really have been like relatively few tools over the years to help people with migraines. But that that's changing now. And it's changing not just with uh, pharmaceuticals. I mean, there's some of these like monoclonal antibody treatments uh coming out, which are just like the kind of like the big hot new thing in recent years in pharma, um, you know, and, and also like, you know, ramped up against COVID as well. I mean, we've seen those kind of treatments, you know, brought out against uh, against COVID, but you're also seeing like, um, you know, non-invasive neuromodulation that, uh, you know, that, that's coming out to help uh, migraine, uh, you know, sufferers as well. So it's kind of like a really kind of exciting, exciting time for, you know, for getting some better treatments out for, you know, this, this condition that can be like very debilitating. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful. I've never, I've never really suffered from them, but uh, they, they sound horrible and uh, can really, really uh, lower your, your quality of life. So, so certainly an important area to continue to work on. So if you want to find out what's happening with, you know, treating migraines you know, read that story, it's a good, it's a really good, uh, good roundup of what's going on. Great job by Brian Bunce. And we should point out that the f- number five was written by Sean Hooley. Yes. Number four was written by Sean Hooley. Number two was written by Chris. No, number two is written by Sean Hooley. Sean, oh. our, our associate editor, Sean Hooley, is a news story writing machine. He's just, uh, he's just, gosh, he's just such a, a great asset for us. I'm sure. I'm sure he's pushing rewind on the podcast <laughs> button right now. <laughs> I want to hear that again. I just want to hear that I want to again. Hear that again. <laughs> We're ahead into my weekend. Sean's all about that. Yeah, you know Sean. No, Sean's actually like uh, Sean's just a good, 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 solid, good, solid guy. So um, a low, a low key, dude. exactly. What's number two in the new markers newsmakers list? Number two on the list, we've got Amazon winning an EUA to sell its uh, COVID nineteen test directly to consumers. That's right. Uh, Amazon has a COVID. Of course, they have a COVID nineteen test. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that makes makes sense. Dun, dun, dun. You know, they already had a uh, authorization, like an EUA emergency authorization for the test, but this is this test is actually saying this can be like administered at home, and then you could you know uh, send in the specimens yourself. So I mean, this is uh, you know we're, we're finally it really feels like at least in developed countries like the u.s we're dragging ourselves out of this pandemic and so and now all of a sudden you can just like get a test on it you know amazon has a test you can just buy and take home and mail and stuff but you know oh well we got it now right you know we got we're getting them now knock wood on that i went to uh my first baseball game post-covid baseball game went to uh 
as I posted on LinkedIn after talking with Jeff Martha on Monday, where he talked about really having to, to find ways to to recharge on the weekends, I realized I hadn't done anything fun like that. So the next morning, I went on StubHub and got a couple of ticks for $25 and went with my brother and hey. they got crushed, but uh, it was good to be out there and it felt normal and it was, and it was nice. So not, you know, I haven't followed it too closely. Are the Red Sox doing as bad as the twins? Cause I mean, the twins, wow. Minnesota twins this year. Yeah, no, the twins are doing poorly. The Red Sox are doing very well. Wow. Surprisingly, I'm just now learning who the players are, <laughs> which is unusual for me. We had a team of no nothings and no one expected anything, but they're a game out of first place right now behind the Tampa. Wow. The Tampa Bay Rays, those evil Tampa Rays, Bay Rays. Still not as dastardly as the Yankees, right? <laughs> we kicked Yankee butt over the weekend. Went in the Yankee Stadium and swept them. Uh, that, ah! that, that brings warmth to my heart. I've had so many years. I've just seen the Twins. Like, they made it to the playoffs, and they're facing the Yankees. Like, season over. Yeah. That yeah, bad. that's always hard yeah. to watch. I always feel yeah, bad for the Twins. It's not good. Some year, man, we're going to get through New York. We're going to do it. Anyway. It's going to be 1991 all over right. again. Like, all like right. Kirby Puckett will be smiling from above, you know. Like, awesome. <laughs> Let us hit. The big number one. This one was written by this, by me, Chris by yours Newmark. truly. Yeah, I, I, I did something that was like really cool. Like I'm, I'm trying to do it all the time, man. <laughs> I'm trying to do cool stuff all the time. But this story is about CBRX, um, you know, neuromodulation a device company uh, based here around the Twin Cities. Um, you've actually uh, interviewed their CEO before. Yes, we've had Nadim Yared on the podcast. Actually, uh, he was one of the first people I interviewed, and I interviewed him January. 2020 and we ended up using the podcast uh in april not that this yeah. is that important but he was like it was a good long podcast and uh it, the, the, my point was it it had taken so long for me to run it i went and talked to him again so we could update it and uh, so he's actually been on the podcast twice yeah, two Great in a guy. row series two in a row series with him so uh so people go check that out you know in our archives from last year but uh but anyway their company um, CVRX is, uh, they're doing a good old fashioned IPO. They're going to be trading on the NASDAQ under the uh, symbol of CVRX. Uh, they're looking to raise up to $75 million. So you, you know, the economy is coming back when you start to see IPOs. Yeah, no, it's been an exceptional MedTech IPO season. Yeah. Um, kind of surprised. I didn't see it coming, but uh, especially with, with COVID and the economic slowdown. But these are, we're seeing Neuropace gone out now, CVRX, all these companies yeah. that have waited a long time to uh, reach this inflection point, and they're finally there. And uh, they're doing well in the public market, so Knockwood. Yeah, and CVRX is interesting because it's like, it's Neurostem, but it's Neurostem to, to you know, treat heart heart disease treat heart failure so i mean just just kind of a like a like a like a really interesting technology so it's an fda approved um so we'll uh yeah go on ipo hey everyone this is tom before we get into this interview with jeff martha i wanted to bring in jonathan wax jonathan is the vice president of quality at flexan flexan was kind enough to step up and sponsor this episode of the device talks weekly podcast Jonathan, I understand Flexan has some exciting news from its plant in China. Uh, well, we're pleased to announce that uh, we just launched the manufacture of a class two medical device as a contract manufacturer in our Suzhou, China uh, facility. Uh, it represents uh, close to 18 months of taking a component manufacturer and providing them the resources and skills and training and equipment to launch a fully completed class two medical device and enabling uh, our customers to have 
product wherever they need it, whether it's in the United States or in China. And during the lockdown, we saw a great strain on the supply chain, on bringing products in from outside the U.S. Jonathan, what does this do for Flexan? What uh, what this enables us to do is to provide our global medical device manufacturers the capability to provide their patients and their customers with product around the world. And uh, it provides them enormous flexibility where they can now come to us and manufacture product in Asia for their Asian markets or for export around the world or manufacture in the United States. And it's an important capability to be able to provide medical device contract manufacturing on a global basis. Uh, that's some, a requirement that uh, as an increasingly global business, the expectations are that we should be able to support their product distribution and manufacturing strategy wherever it may be. Well, that's great. Congratulations on the news. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. For more information, you can go to flexan.com. That's F-L-E-X-A-N.com. Well, Jeff Martha, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I, uh, I saw you on LinkedIn. Uh, this is kind of a, a softball question to start, but uh, you posted a graduation do- a picture of your daughter. And I recall from our first podcast, you shared the story of how you uh, had to break her heart and move her when she was she was 12 years old. It seems as if uh, she recovered okay. She has recovered. Yeah. It's funny, <laughs> funny you remembered that. Yeah, it was a, a difficult conversation to get her to to move from Milwaukee to, uh, to here in Minneapolis. Now things have dramatically changed. She's a happy college graduate and she's moving back to uh, Minneapolis here and taking a, a job here in, in, in the twin cities. And, and she's super excited and her, and her mother and I couldn't be more thrilled that she's going to at least be in the same town as us. So oh. it's good times for us. I can imagine. I, I, I wonder, I've talked to a lot of executives. A lot of them have moved in med tech and other industries throughout their career. That's not likely ever to go away. But do you see any meaningful changes to how med tech is working post-COVID? We're all sort of seeing maybe that moving isn't a necessity, uh, that relocation might not need to happen. Do you see any lasting changes to how corporations, what would corporations require of their executives? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's been changing, uh, Tom, over the years, I'd say. I mean, I you know, I grew up in in, uh, in GE, and, and back in the '90s, it was you know you get to have a conversation with your manager. Well, we're thinking about this job in in Oregon, and you know, I'd go home and talk to my wife and say, "Look, let's let's get the house on the market." You know, <laughs> and there was no question; we just moved right. And over the last uh, 15 years, I think that's you know people have been finding a, a little bit of more of a work life balance, and and co- companies have been more, a little more flexible, but I do think after COVID, it'll be interesting. I think that flexibility will increase because of technology. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I still believe that in, you know, this hybrid idea uh, is some sort of combination of face-to-face and you can use technology for part of the time. So I'm, I, I don't think you can lead a team remotely, uh, especially in an R&D environment, an innovation environment, full-time, you need to have some face-to-face, but I do mm. think there'll be more flexibility. There'll continue to be more flexibility around remote and virtual. Interesting. Yeah. It'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, develop. So we, we've, uh, well, let's just hit upon COVID for, for, for one second. Listen to your quarterly call. Uh, in that, 
you suggested or, or declared that at least in the U.S. we seem to be moving have moved past the COVID impact. Is is that a fair assessment of, of what you said? Sure, it's not a hundred percent back yet for every therapy, but you know, by and large, you know, we're getting really close. And some of our therapies in the U.S. were even above pre-pandemic levels, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 others are in that 85%, you know, uh, or more, and even our more elective uh, cases or more elective therapies or procedures are, are coming back. So I, I think the U.S. Is, is very close to being is fully back, fully returned. And how are you managing OUS? Uh, obviously, it's in various stages and some horrible stages in, in some companies and markets. What, are you, what is Medtronic doing to support those businesses outside this country uh, and help them do the best that they can and obviously to weather this pandemic storm? Well, I think, you know, first of all, in, in some of the emerging, you know, more emerging markets, like, you know, you got to highlight India and parts sure. of Latin America, where COVID is still, and South and South and other parts of Southeast Asia outside of India, you know, where COVID is still a really big problem, even you know, bigger than it had been prior. Uh, you know, the support it, it feels like we're back at day one in our uh, the way it was in the United States in in March and April of of, of uh, you know a year ago, 2020. It's it's really supporting those employees and their families. It's humanitarian crisis, and that's first and foremost. So we're doing a lot of expediting of different. You know, products and services to those markets, and and working with governments, both the U.S. government and uh, and I'll use India as an example. The Indian government. I'm on a task force that was organized by the White House to help. So it 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 feels like back in the early days of of you know, like I said, 2020. Uh, and you know, I, I I don't know fully why India didn't go through that experience back then, and they're going through it now. There's different theories, but nonetheless. It's a real humanitarian crisis, and it affects obviously the people on the ground in India, but also in an engineering company like ours. There's a lot of employees and leaders of Indian descent, and you know, and uh, so it's it's a very sensitive topic. And 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 I, I haven't talked to a, an Indian employee that doesn't have a family member or close friend that's back that lives back in India that hasn't been impacted. So, so right now it's it's an all hands on deck to get them supplies, ventilators, oxygenators, mm-hmm. and ultimately vaccines. And we're working with uh, you know various other companies, you know the U.S. government, other governments, and and of course the Indian government to make this happen. And and so that's 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 taken up a lot of time over the last couple of weeks. And then you've got some places like in the, you know, on the other extreme, like China that are like the U.S. that are fully, you know, returned. And and then you've got like Europe, I'd say is in the middle where or closer to the United States, I think it just hit this 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 uh, inflection point that we hit in U.S. a few weeks ago or mm-hmm. a month or two ago on, on vaccines where enough people are gotten vaccinated and 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 you feel the momentum coming back in, in Western Europe. So with Western Europe, the support we're providing is some of the lessons learned, you know, that we learned in the U.S. is once you hit that inflection point, things move fast. And, and, I, and I hope that's what's going to happen in Europe. Have you required anything uh, internally at Medtronic vaccination wise? Have you communicated anything to employees? Oh, yeah. So we. We've uh, again, you know, we work. We have to work with the different jurisdictions around the world. In the U.S., it's it's by state, and and we've worked with various countries all over the map. Our team's done a great job at it, it, it providing it, it, it working with the governments to procure vaccines for our employees and their family members and the community mm-hmm. in some cases. And and we're doing you know uh, vaccinations out of our facilities. Um, and, uh, you know, again, working with the lo- local authorities uh, to get these uh, vaccines. And it's it's been it's been great. I mean, our employees and their families are, are very grateful for it. And, 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 and the communities, too. I mean, like in India, for example, we're trying to get 
vaccination vaccines to our Indian employees, but we've kind of, you know, agreed to this kind of two, two, one to three, or, you know, you know, one to four ratio for every employee we vaccine, we vaccine three in the community. So, you know, we're not, we're trying to make this, um, you know, good for our employees, but also for the communities that they're in. Do you have a a threshold in mind, a a vaccination rate of employees that you want to reach or hit? I think it's in line with, with what you're hearing. Like it, like it did take the U S I mean, mm-hmm. we're hoping to get into the seventies. Uh, and, and I haven't gotten an update recently uh, on, on the percentages, but it's, it seems to be going pretty quickly, but like given how many employees we have in Medtronic, say it's a hundred thousand ish and, and a good portion of those in the United States call it 40, 50,000, you know, it starts to reflect what you're seeing in the country, right? You've got it. So it's, we'll probably mirror the, you know, the United States, maybe a little higher end because of being a healthcare company and mm-hmm. a little closer to it, there's maybe a bias to trust the science. And, um, you know, so, so maybe it's a little higher than what you're seeing in the United States. And, but so far I, I, almost every employee I've talked to has, you know, been vaccinated. I swear. I didn't want to go down the, the COVID rabbit hole, but once you start talking about it, there's so many questions, uh, but it's been a big part of your, your first year as CEO. And I wanted to sort of talk about that. Both we'll talk operationally in, in a moment, but, but just personally, um, I mean, this is your first CEO role. What is different about being the CEO? What are the positives? And, and have you identified anything, I don't want to say negatives, but any challenges perhaps that you, you, you'd rather be without? Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of positives. I mean, you know, being a, a CEO of a, of, a, of a company of any size, especially a, a large one like an iconic company like Medtronic that's in healthcare, it's it's, it's 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 humbling to see you get a, a really a bird's eye view of just and I think this is a healthcare comment uh, for certain uh, Medtronic comment how dedicated people are to um, to healthcare and, and 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 helping other people's lives and how seriously they take that and how hard they work every day and it's very inspiring to see that you know I I, I think one thing I've learned over the over the last year in COVID's really helped that is when you're you got the resources available to you of a company like Medtronic and scientific capabilities, clinical capabilities, technology, balance sheet, you know, financing relationships with physicians. You know, I've, I've started to think bigger, you Mm -hmm. know, in terms of what we could and should be doing. And um, you know, for sure in the healthcare side, you know, we, we take great pride in that we, uh, impact the the lives of uh, two patients every second. That sounds like a lot. Every second, two patients, it adds up to roughly 80 million people a year. But then I started to think about that 80 million is just a small fraction of the world's population. And we tend to deal with the sicker people that, that need a, a cardiac device or a surgical procedure. And and I do think that 80 million should go to 800 million. And, and, and we should be much more ubiquitous given the advancements in technology and the role that we can play in healthcare to to really, you know, and a lot of it is, is this miniaturization of electronics and longer batteries, data and AI uh-huh. and all these things. And, you know, I, I really think we could get that, that 800 million in a reasonable period of time, 800 million of patients versus 80 million. And so that is ship that, you know, I, I've really started to think about how, how, you know, the challenge is how do you run the company day to day to hit, you know, the goals we need to hit and keep everybody happy, but also have, these, I wouldn't just call them aspirations, but, you know, real goals to really transform the company, transform healthcare. So that, that to me um, is, you know, been the 
biggest, uh, I, I think, most exciting thing that you know, I'm dealing with right now is just once inspired every day by seeing these employees do what they do and and our and our customers, our partners, the health physicians in the hospitals, and and two, just this opportunity to 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 transform healthcare given what we what we have. You know, in terms of the other side of the ledger is uh you know every you know as a every conversation that you're in every meeting that you're in you, you know people are really watching what you say and what mm-hmm. you do and, and every 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 kind of mannerism and so you really need to be on your game you know every day in terms of uh you be a positive outlook be patient but have a sense of urgency but be patient you know be optimistic but pragmatic uh, to have a lot of energy, to have that personal touch. And, you know, it. I've had to learn, you know, to kind of, I wouldn't say radically change my life, but could get better at, you know, kind of managing my energy and 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 being disciplined so that every day I, I am in that mode. And, you, and you've got to make trade-offs in your personal life that sometimes are difficult. You know, you, you want to go, you know, visit some friends for the weekend or this, and sometimes you just can't do that. Because you've got to use the weekend to kind of really rejuvenate, and also sometimes just think because you're you're going from you know event to event during the week, and you know that 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 kind of a lifestyle can be a little exhausting. So you you know I, I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not a positive. I, I don't know if it's a negative, but I got to learn to deal with it, and I've gotten better, but I'm still working on that. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I can relate to that doing a podcast and interviewing people all week. <laughs> By the end of the week, you're you can be exhausted. Yeah. Um, Oh, I had a thought and it just slipped it out of my head. Hold on. But like things that we talked about, like before getting on things that I've got, I've learned to do, like, you know, we talked about before we got on the show here, you know, hockey and, yeah. you know, still playing, you know, men's league hockey. And you know, it sounds silly, but that, that hour, you know, I, you know, this, this weekend was an hour and 15 minutes and I was praying for that Zamboni guy. To open the door. <laughs> I, was, I was so gassed. But, um, you know, that really, it's a different type of exercise. It's, it's, a, it's a real release. And um, that's really, that's what I'm talking about. It's part of my recovery process yeah, yeah. and uh, kind of uh, getting that recovery process, that rejuvenation process, both physically and mentally is something that you, you, you really have to get good at and you have to be consistent with. But, but uh, I was going to say there's a lot of CEOs, I think, to, to counter that, maybe they withdraw at least per publicly and they don't say as much publicly you're you've put yourself out there and, and, I, and I and I dare say you've you've inspired others to do that we've got the Medtronic Talks podcast I don't think that does that doesn't happen if you don't put yourself out there and communicate get the videos on the investor relations calls I mean you're really making a point of of maybe you're being more more careful as to how you communicate but you're not you're not dialing back on that communication at all no I mean I, I think um, look what, what what great organizations do is they lay out a, you know, I think an ambitious or bold vision. They tell you what they're going to do and then they go do it and they update you along the way. So I do think it's important to communicate and, and these, these different communications, whether they be the earnings calls or podcasts like this, or a lot of internal, uh, you know, communications, you know I, know, I know various audiences, even though it might be geared to one audience is listening, they're listening and um, it's a way to move the organization forward and the ecosystem around us that's important uh, is to kind of set out that inspiring, ambitious vision, you know, and then along the way, update people and call balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, on our earnings call, here's where we're winning share and here's where we're losing share. And, you know, I think it's um, it. everybody wants to be on the winning side. No one wants to be on the losing side, but we've got to be clear 
uh, with people. And, and look, the other thing is if you're going to accomplish something great, you got to be ambitious about it and you've got to be, vul- you got to make yourself vulnerable. So you've got to, you know, put yourself out there and, and, and you got to, sometimes it doesn't always work out. You have hiccups along the way and you, and you've got to own those and, and uh, be straight with people and don't try to sugarcoat it. And I think that gets you, um, it, you know, um, support and credibility and it's, it's liberating uh, to be honest with you. So yeah, we have, stepped up the communication quite a bit. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that will and anticipating that will continue and, and evolve and evolve. And I noted that in the call and I, and I advise everyone who wants to, to balls and strikes and to see all the numbers, you do a great job with the, with the, with that presentation and they can get that here, get that on that presentation. But you did identify those businesses that could, that could, that perhaps I don't want to see disappointed, but that could do better. And you identified competitors who grabbed some market share from you or, or places where you lost some market share because right. of them. So uh, I don't know if that's always done in these calls, but I was, I was. I had a few board members call me and say, you sure you want to call competitors out like that? I'm like, <laughs> we're not necessarily calling them out. We're not, it's not bad no. mouthing or track talking. It's just, you know, look, uh, we tend to use the word competitor. I'm like, well, in this case, you know, throw out, you know, you know, we lost share to Boston Scientific, you yep. know, and this other case, we gained share from Axonics, whatever. And it's not meant to be negative. It's just, it's just, it's clarity. Uh, and honesty. Oh, I thought, and that's how it, um, that's interesting. You got that call, but I, but I took it that way as well. So, or took it as a, as a honesty. And one thing yeah. you talked about, and I do want to get into the businesses, but, but this is a great conversation. Your, your focus on, on market share, you said this will be the, the upcoming fiscal year will be the first time you, you count ga- market share gains and I presume losses as well. And, and ca- unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> There are some of those. In, in calculating compensation. Uh, I mean, that makes it very real for employees. How, how difficult it was to come up with a metric that, that measures it correctly. And maybe it's super simple. I don't know. And No, it's not. And, and are you just looking at, at dollars generated? Are you looking at lives touched? Are there other sort of factors when you, when you come up with market share? Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, in some cases we've got really um, granular and accurate data uh, in some of our markets, us and our competitors year, years ago, way before me and have agreed to submit their data to an independent third party, like an accounting mm-hmm. firm, like a Deloitte or somebody. And then, and then that firm publishes that data on it. Uh, and so we know what the overall market's doing. And then we know what our, you know, pieces. So we can tell if we gained or lost share. And, and so there we can be very specific. In other cases, we're triangulating and it's very difficult, right? We're reading earnings reports, adding, take, triangulating our data with earnings reports from other companies who have various numbers grouped together. and We've got to splice them apart. So it's not exact, but you can get a trend at least, and you can see a trend. And so I, I've asked the team, don't get so caught up in precision, get the general trend, uh, and, and just going through this exercise has been helpful. The other thing I'd say, Tom, is we are looking at, you know, very unique cases. So we may, you know, for our cardiac rhythm business measure it one way, but for our spine business measure it mm-hmm. another way, just based on the availability of data, based on what we're trying to talk again, it, we're not, this is internally for us. Uh, it's not meant to be some, you know, audited number. It's like, okay, but in a, it, it's, it's, it's as precise as we can get it. And it's as contextual as we can get it, right? In some cases, it's units. Some cases, it's dollars. Some cases, we're looking for more of an improvement trend quarter over quarter. In other cases, you know, more year over year. So, but, so we'll see. This will be our first year. And, and j- just this last year, just 
you know, learning how to track it better and talking about it and then debating it internally, even arguing, you know, over, okay, what's the best way? Uh, it's been, it's been a learning, you know, uh, and the idea here is, is to really get the organization focused on it. And, and one of the other challenges is just the messaging around it. You know, you know, one share of like market growth versus is way more important than one share of market share growth, really. I mean, one point is so mark, growing the market's more important. So this doesn't take our focus off growing the starting new markets and growing. It, it's an, and it's mm-hmm. like, look, you need to grow the market, but you also need to, you know, be competitive and, and it's an and, not an or, and kind of getting that message across that, hey, look, we're not just shifting to from a innovation-driven company that's really focused on market development, which is what Medtronic, I think, you know, really separates the company, like, you know, starting different segments. Hopefully, a new one will start as renal, you know, renal denervation for hypertension. That's a new one will start and lead and leading these markets. That's what Medtronic's known for. That's what it's, it's awe-inspiring to just watch that process play out. We're not moving away from that. We're just saying once we open up these markets and start to grow them, we need to build, you know, keep that share for longer. Or when conversely, like we're entering a new market with surgical robotics and we're competing against intuitive, you know, you know, we want to, you know, really partly measure ourselves again, market growth, because there's a lot of market growth there more than anything, but also, you know, how we're doing against uh, the competition there. So it's both. And I'm glad you hit upon those two. I I was going to get to them later, but let's bring it up now with the, with, with robotics, how does the Mazer rollout or the your your Mazer business has that helped inform what you're doing with Hugo? You brought that up in the call that you're you know you, you mentioned some of the successes you have with Missouri rather. Um, is it comparable to to Hugo? Does it help help you sort of lay out a, a plan for for rolling that out, or is it completely different? Well, there's some. It is quite different, you know, because you're in in spine. You're we were you know us and. Uh, you know, Globus are the first two with, with uh, you know, I, yeah, there may be others that are calling themselves robots, but these two seem to be the leading ones. And, and so, and it was new for a spine surgeon. So we were, we, we were earlier on there um, in, in, in blazing that trail. And so the spine, you know, the spine surgeons weren't as discerning because this was the first robot they had. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite the same versus in surgery you know, Da Vinci has been out there for 20 years or something like that. So uh, the surgeons have, you know, and the, and the, and the sophistication of robotics has evolved for, for quite a, a bit longer there. So there's not an exact analog, but there's definitely some lessons learned. I mean, we learned, you know, how to think about going to market. Like we have a, this is a big commercial uh, capital equipment purchase. So you have a, 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 you know, it's a certain skill to sell a piece of capital like that to a hospital. You get into the budgeting process, the C-suite, it's a big million dollar plus purchase. Then there's a, you need to have a, a, there's a lot of training that goes. And so you have to have a certain training sales force at the beginning. It's, it's a little more hyper care model as we call it until the surgical team is up and running and, and, and then you have the, the maintenance. So how to think about go to market and how to think about different acquisition models. Uh, there's a lot of lessons learned uh, that are, that are going to help. And so for sure, the uh, Mazor experience is, is going to help us on the uh, surgical robot side, but I don't want to make it out to be, it's exactly the okay. same. Cause it's, it's, it's definitely not, um, there's quite a bit of differences. There's a, there's a lot more, one thing, the business models, I think there's a little bit more, there might be some more flexibility in spine because you, you've got so many more, you know, uh, consumables per procedure. I mean, the spine cases, there's a lot more, you know, value in the consumables than a, an average general surgery case so that gives you different options on business models that, that, that are a little bit more difficult in surgery, but, 
but um, definitely it's informing us and we're using, for example, we're using the scale of our maintenance business that came from our neuroscience area. Cause not just robots, we got robots, we got imaging like the OR and we've got navigation. So that service organization, we're going to leverage region by region to help with our robotics maintenance. So there are some synergies as well. Two more questions. Uh, rental innovation, obviously you don't have the approval yet, but you're, you're, you're anticipating hopefully that some exciting news in the fall at TCT, if you have clinical results, what are you doing now to prepare? For, are you doing anything now to prepare for a commercial rollout? And is it a, uh, are, are you starting from scratch with that sort of rollout? Uh, with, Cause it's such an innovative technology. What, what goes into building that kind of business? Well, it's a, it's um, you, first of all, given that it's a new concept, right? I, I think the go, the, the marketing of it needs to be different, right? It's, it's, it's not like um, it's a whole new concept, a, a hypertension therapy that's device related. I mean, people are thinking about hypertension, mm-hmm. they think about, well, change my diet and exercise, take some pills, you know, uh, a pharma regimen, but uh, some sort of med device procedure, you know, uh, with a catheter. And, you know, this, this seems crazy. So, you know, we're going to have to, uh, for, we can't rely on, in this case, the United States, the interventionalist here, the, the interventional cardiologist. I think the marketing job, we need to kind of work with them on and, and work, go direct to the patient to drive um, uh, awareness. So we've been building that muscle of how to go direct the patient to drive awareness of what, you know, the, the benefits of this, the, this therapy exists, the benefits of it, and then build the referral pathway from that, you know, that consumer who could be a patient into the healthcare system through their primary care and or cardiologist and eventually get to that interventional cardiologist. So that we're working on, you know, the, the direct patient marketing uh, as well as the, the referral pathway, um, which is something unique that uh, in the past, most of the, if you think about it, you know, even with a new uh, therapy, a lot of the times the concept is out there and the referral pathway is set. It's just a new mousetrap. Here, this is a whole new concept without the referral pathway. So that's mm. probably the biggest thing. And then reimbursement, even, you know, we're working with different uh, commercial payers on, on and, and CMS on reimbursement. Okay. And, and perhaps a final question. I know you have to go. Uh, last week, you had uh, your, the decision or the, the announcement about hardware. Uh, mm-hmm. What was, what went into the decision to, to stop selling hardware and how is that calculation done? Can you share, give us a little color on, on that process? Well, sure. This was one, I mean, there's just for context, there's, you know, two, these are very sick patients. There's, there's two, uh, two therapies out there today. Uh, you know, one, you know, two left ventricular assist device, you know, um, one from Abbott and, and one from Medtronic, both companies purchased these, uh, smaller companies years ago. And, and, um, you know, I, I, there was a it was a growing body of evidence that the, what really drove the decision is a growing body of as evidence that uh, Abbott's device was better for patients. Um, you know, we got some new data to to show that that is just it's in the process of being published that uh, that our device uh, has a higher neurological events, uh, higher uh, incidence of neurological events, including stroke and and a higher mortality. And, um, you know, on top of that, we've had some, some performance issues with the, with the device, but the, the bigger issue for us was that, and that there's an alternative and that alternative in, in Abbott's device, you know, I had, I had lower rates and the, the rates were different enough that, um, you know, we just felt it was better for patients. So it's, it's, it kind of goes, it that kind of, it goes straight to the heart of Medtronic's 
mission-driven, you know, focus. I mean, we're disappointed we couldn't uh, address some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a complicated therapy. We couldn't get it to where we wanted to, but the, the path was uncertain and the time was too long to, you know, and, and so we decided to, in the, in the, in the name of better patient care to, to make this decision. And financially it's, it's not a, you know, it's, it's a hit, but we can absorb it. It was in our guidance, um, we, you know, from our earnings call, cause we, we kind of anticipated something like this, but uh, you know, look, our reputation is, is the most important thing here at Medtronic and uh, our mission. And, and this is the right thing for patients. It, it, was there any external review that went, went along with that? Or was this all internal, all Medtronic sort of analyzing the data and coming up with its conclusion? Oh, no, no we, we wouldn't do make a decision like this alone uh, normally. I mean, we, we work with the FDA. Uh, yeah. We work with independent physician group as well that, you know, again, by, when I say it's independent, they're, they, they, they're in this space. Um, but not tied into Medtronic and they, they provide us independent thoughts. And so we work with both uh, hand in hand in hand. And as a matter of fact, we showed the FDA, you know, some of the data that we knew was coming that was, you know, emerging. Um, and, and so, yeah, the FDA was working with us. And, and then ultimately uh, if you notice the, there was a timing with, with Abbott that uh, they released a press release saying that they could handle the extra volume, you know, working with Abbott to make sure that they were prepared as well. Uh, I mean, you know, alerting them, I mean, and, and, and giving them some time to, to be prepared. So again, we tried to make this as little a patient impact as possible uh, and, and make sure that we had all the right decision makers around the table because there are trade-offs and you're down to, you know, one therapy here, at least for the, for the, for the next several years. Uh, and, but we thought that the trade-off, when I say we collectively, all the, all the people we consulted with and the organizations, that this is the right decision. Great. I don't want to take any more of your time. I appreciate it, Jeff. Great. Thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Tom. Good talking to you, as always. All right, Chris Newmarker. How can folks find you out there in social media land? Hey, I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker. And you can find me on Twitter, at Newmarker. Always, uh, always happy to chat with people. And I am on Twitter at MedTechTom. I am on LinkedIn. You can find me, Tom Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. And uh, please do connect with us on social media. And please do share this podcast on those social media channels. And when you do, make sure you tag Chris and or myself so we can be part of uh, those excellent conversations. If you uh, have not subscribed yet to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Google, Amazon, Spotify, all the major ones. You can also find our Medtronic Talk series there as well. Uh, subscribing is easy. And uh, when you subscribe, you, you get these episodes first. And who, who doesn't want to be first, Chris. I mean, really. That's right. Who wants to yeah. be second? Who wants to be last? Come on. That's right. Be, be first. That's right. What do you like to scream? Fortune Chris? favors the brave. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't what I was thinking, but fortune does favor the brave. Right. Well, I right. thought it was the bold. The bold, whatever. It's like, One of those two. Yeah. Don't don't I, don't don't take your Latin expertise and like beat <laughs> me over that with <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to Google right after this podcast to find out which one of us is right. That's it, folks. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Device Talks weekly podcast waiting for you. Hey, enjoy the summer. If you haven't already, get vaccinated.